an active manager will charge you more, but ultimately they need to show their value in terms of our performance. Otherwise, what's the point? Stick with an index rather than just ride the market. You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast. Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 192 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Yesterday we covered wrap and managed accounts. So today it is about managed funds. Here's Daniel Mikhail of Partners Wealth Group in Sydney. We covered an individual rep account and mm-hmm. we covered a managed account. Mm-hmm. So now we come to the managed funds. Yes. So, and of course, yeah. an individual rep account or a managed account could invest in a managed fund or they could just invest directly into, into specific bonds or shares or units. Yep. Or they, or they could, could invest fund. into a managed yeah. and, fund. And that's our preferred approach, mm-hmm. particularly with the fixed interest component and the international component. Um, because with international, if you go direct, obviously someone's got to be up through, you know, during during the um, during the night trading or you know buying or selling stocks. Um, so we prefer to use a managed fund for that, um, and likewise with with bonds uh, to get more diversification, we use managed funds. We do for Australian, we do use direct, so we buy things directly. We pick our own portfolio. Mm. Or pick our own stocks in relation to the Australian share makeup of the portfolio. Would you buy ETFs through a managed account or an individual rep account, or is ETFs more for people who buy directly and want some diversification? No, we've used ETFs. Yep, we've used ETFs in the past, and that just gives you. So we would typically use an ETF for the index component if we're looking to invest or looking to have some index exposure within our portfolio, then typically we might we'll use an index. Again, the makeup of the – so if, I'm, if, if we look at that Vanguard Australian Share Fund as an example, if I purchase the ETF or I purchase the wholesale managed fund, I'm getting exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing. Just one's purchased on the ASX and the other one isn't. So there's no difference from that respect. But to answer your question, we would use ETFs in our portfolio where it's appropriate. Yeah. Do you have a lot of SMSFs in your managed accounts? Yeah, most certainly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And so whatever then happens in that managed account would then come back through a bank feed into the SMSF or would you just get a text statement at the end and then put that text statement into, for example, class or BGA? Yeah, I mean, you've always got it. So, so within the wrap account, it has a bank account. So every wrap account has to have a bank account, okay? And all the distributions and dividends that come out of the managed accounts flow through into the bank account within the wrap account or you can opt to reinvest that income back into the managed account. So you've got two options. So the bank feed can come out of the the wrap account to the, you know, whether it's class or BGL or whatever it is. So you've always got that feed. And then at the end of the year, you've also got the tax report. Mm. But I'm thinking when you have an individual wrap account, you would then possibly track all the purchases and sales in the SMSF administration software, for example, class, let's just say class because it's shorter. 
when you have an individual rep account, you would track the purchases and sales through a data feed in class. But when you have a managed account, I don't think you actually track purchases and sales in the accounting software because... No, because it's treated as one investment. Yeah. Yeah, it's treated you, as one investment. So investment. you would just have the tax statement yeah. at the per, right. per half year or per yeah. year, whatever it is, yeah. and then pick that up in, Correct. in class. Correct. Because it's, it's just it's like investing in a managed fund. You know, accountants don't go and find out what the managed fund has bought and sold throughout the year. That's yeah. buried away in the detail somewhere. From the accountant's perspective... It's treated as one investment. So obviously there's going to be income that you're going to need to report and there's going to be a capital gain, capital losses, what have you, that you're going to need to report on that one investment, not the underlying investments that we've purchased on behalf yeah. of the client. So for a managed fund and a managed account, you don't drill down to the actual no. investments. You stay at the level of the managed account Correct. or managed fund. It's different when you're in a wrap account and you've picked all the investments, right? So, mm. so we're outside the managed account yeah, and we've purchased a you know, a variety of managed fund, a variety of direct shares, then you'll be able to see all the investment transactions that we've done for each managed fund slash share. Um, and then you'll have all the capital gains tax reporting and all that sort of stuff that you need to complete yeah. the accounts. So that means managed account and managed fund is a lot less work for the accountant who has to account for it all. Yeah. Whereas this individual rep account, if the person who runs that individual rep account is very active and does a lot of buying and selling then that would be a lot of work yeah i mean we've got you know i work closely with an accountant where you know for the client i review on a quarterly basis and we're actively making changes so all those changes all those trades get fed directly into the class software but again there's a little bit of work at the end of the year that needs to be done to bring the accounts up to yeah, and that can be a lot more than just a little bit of work if there are a lot of trades. Correct. Hmm. Yeah, and that's then right. corporate actions. Yeah, and, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. But look, the, the reporting that comes out of the RAP provider, and if it's a, if it's a pretty good RAP provider, and Macquarie would probably fit into that category, then you know the account should have all the information summarised. Yeah, so then maybe even for an individual RAP account, while Macquarie provides the data feed, maybe you don't actually need to track all those purchases and sales because at the end you get the tax statement anyway. You do. So maybe even though, yes, class provides the data feed from Macquarie, maybe you don't bother with the data feed and you just get the tax statement at, at yeah, the end. Yeah, I mean, that's an accountant's call to determine how they want yeah. to do it. But, yeah, you're right. The RAP provider will always produce a tax report and it's up to the account whether they want to use it or not. Yes. I made that mistake with one client. It was an individual RAP account and run by Shaw and Partners and there was an enormous amount of buying and selling, mm -hmm. etc. And rather than just going for the tax statement, I thought, great, now have this great data feed from class... But, of course, the um, automatic matching covered a small percentage and the yep. rest all needed to be manually matched yep. because often some, sometimes there was a difference of one cent or corporate yeah. actions, etc. So it was a nightmare. So I think, actually, even though class prides itself and Macquarie prides themselves into these great data feeds, I actually think it might be better to just ignore those data feeds and just go with the text statements. Yep, yep, yep. that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's there for. That's ultimately part of the cost that you're paying back to the RAP providers to provide that, that reporting. So you may as well may as well use it. Yes. Yeah. So you only really need to track individual purchases and sales 
when you don't have a rep account and it's a direct investment different story yeah yeah then you absolutely then have to end, track everything because yeah. otherwise you have no idea that's what's right. happening that's right you're going to get all the dividend statements all the contract notes so you got to keep all that information track it on a spreadsheet or something through some sort of system so at the end of the year when it comes tax time you've got that all summarized ready to be put into the tax return So we covered individual rep, we covered managed fund, and we yep. covered managed accounts. Could we now talk more about managed funds? Yep. Most of the big names are managed funds, correct? Yeah, the, the, your sport with choice, which is a good thing. Broadly speaking, with managed funds, you've got two types. You've got passive managers or index. So all they're really doing is just tracking the market. Okay, so for example, the Vanguard Australian Share Index Fund, that tracks the ASX 300. So pretty much whatever the ASX 300 does is the return that you're going to get within that fund. So is that an ETF or is an ETF something different? It can be an ETF and it can be purchased directly with Vanguard. So you don't have to – ETF is just a method in terms of how you – get into that managed fund. It's just the avenue in terms of how you get into that managed fund. So you can buy as an ETF through the ASX or, as I said, you can go wholesale or you can go retail. Okay, three avenues. I'm lost there. Okay. Um, All right. So Maybe, so, maybe it's because I haven't understood yet what an ETF is. Okay, so maybe so, we so should all, first cover ETFs. All an ETF is, it's just a managed fund. It's a listable managed fund. Ah, so fund. ETF is a managed fund. It is fund. a managed fund. Okay. Okay. It's just how I'm buying it. I'm buying it through the ASX. At the end of the day, the money's invested exactly the same way as the underlying fund. Okay. So when I buy an ETF, I basically buy a unit in, in a managed, managed fund. fund. But yes, you're right. In effect, buying a unit in that managed fund. Okay. Yeah. And that's all That's all it is. And it's just listable. Or yeah. listed on the ASX. That's so the, the only difference. So an ETF is a listed managed fund. Correct. That's exactly what it is. As there are many others. Yep. Yep. Now, not every managed fund is listed. Yes. Okay. So some have gone listed. I suppose the disadvantage to an ETF, if there is one, is in order, if you want to get out of that managed fund, there has to be a buyer. Because if there's no buyers, just like with any share, you can't get out, Right. Now, typically managed funds, what they will do is they'll get the market makers involved to create liquidity so that you can get out if liquidity is on the low end. So uh, how do they make how do they make sure well, they, they're always they, a buyer? They, they buy it. The, yeah. So basically they manipulate it from the background. Manipulate is probably not the right word, but they effectively work in the background somehow to create that liquidity on the market. So if nobody buys, they buy it? Yeah, they'll create the liquidity in the background, basically. Okay. What means create the liquidity? So, so for instance, we've had examples where we're looking to do a, a big trade, so sell down, either buy or sell an ETF, and the price difference between the sell price and the buy price, there was a, quite a big disparity, and that just means that if there is such a big disparity, you're paying, that's effectively a cost to exit or to, to get in. So basically what the market makers come in and do in the background is they come in and effectively bid up the buy price or bring down the sell price so to limit that disparity between the buy-sell cost, if that makes sense. Yeah. But that sounds like manipulating the market to Well, me. it's not because you're not buying a share. You're buying – it's a managed fund 
and ultimately most ETFs want to trade at a similar value to the underlying net asset value of the managed fund. Yes. Okay. Because otherwise if the ETF is trading at one price and it's significantly different to the underlying yes. net asset value of the managed fund, then, then you've got a problem. Yes, yeah. yes. So let's say an ETF only has 10 NAP shares in it, then the ETF's value should be 10 times that NAP yeah. share. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we, they can't let the market drive it up or drive it down. So they've got to bring it back to roughly what the net asset value of the underlying fund is. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It gets complicated. But, yeah, so essentially ETF is just the managed fund listed and then obviously that same managed fund can be purchased either wholesale or retail. Meaning you can either buy the unit in that managed fund directly or you can have your managed fund or your managed account buy the unit in that managed fund because, of course... A managed fund can buy into a managed fund, can buy into a managed fund. Um, So typically managed funds will buy, you know, shares or bonds and they'll pick the underlying investments within that managed fund. So the investment manager, so let's say Magellan as an example, they will pick their stocks that they feel are going to produce the best result for them. Similar to like Platinum, they will do exactly the same thing. They all have their own investment mandates and have you know, different stock selection to, to one another. Yes, but don't the managed funds often have sub-funds? So you have one fund that just holds US shares oh, okay. and then you just have yes, one yes, fund yes. that just holds Australian shares. Yes. And then let's say you have a fund that sits above that says balanced gross or something and it says, yes, we have 40% in yep. US and 60% in Australian. And then this second tier fund yep. then invests... Yep. 40% in this Correct. fund. Correct. So, so if I use Vanguard as an example, um, Vanguard has the Australian Share Index Fund, the International Index Fund, they've got a diverse, uh, uh, you know, fixed interest fund and a property index fund, okay? So you can buy them separately if you want to and you can pick and choose what percentage you want to put in each. Or you can buy the balanced index fund or the conservative index or the high growth or growth index fund and effectively, those funds, the underlying funds within that fund are the, the individual index funds that I spoke about earlier. That's what makes up those diversified index funds. So, yes, you're right. A lot of funds will do that. So they'll have the diversified options, which is really just a mix of their individual options, or you can pick the individual options. We prefer to use the individual options. So we'll use a particular fund manager for a particular purpose. So in your managed account, and of course, because in the managed account, you can do that. You can say, okay, yeah, we, you can, we yeah, buy 40% yeah. in this fund and 60% yeah. in that fund. You don't yeah. need this balance well, growth the, because you're doing that anyway. Yeah, the diversified option, there's no tailoring available to you because you basically need to follow what the fund manager's percentages are and you're basically following their mandate. Whereas what we do is we've got our own mandate and we will pick and choose which investments we want to put into the mix to make up our investment portfolios. Mm. Yeah. So the second tier funds that sit above the pure funds, so to speak, mm-hmm. they're probably more for retail when somebody wants to directly invest into a balanced growth fund or wants to invest and get this mix rather than having to decide, Yeah, look, I want uh, to have 10% in this and 5% we, we, in we that. We still use them mainly for lower balances. And the reason is because if you start spreading a couple of hundred K over 30, 40 investments, 
it starts to be, get a little bit ridiculous in that you're putting small mm. balances into each investment option. So where the balances are small or low, I should say, then that's when those diversified options can give you a good diversification at a relatively low cost. So you would mainly do that in an individual wrap account because on a managed account you, you would have no, the large that's amounts. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. Now that this has become a lot clearer, I think a lot of my questions about ETFs actually can go out the window mm -hmm. because now I understand that an ETF is not different to a managed fund. It is a, it it is is a managed, managed fund. fund. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we understood that ETFs are a form of listed managed funds, coming back to managed funds, who are the players, the people who are involved? Mm. I think you have the analysts. You have the portfolio managers. Well, again, depending on the type of manager you're using, whether it's active or passive. So passive or index managers, there's really not much involved. So all they're doing is just replicating the index. You probably just have a robot doing that. Well, again, you wouldn't need much resources to replicate an index. And that's why the cost for an index fund is a lot lower than you would have for an active manager. Because with an active manager, you've got an army there or a team of people who are studying the market, analyzing the market, looking at individual stocks, going out on site to some of the companies that they're invested in. Getting, going to roadshows. Going to roadshows, you know, sitting down with management of the companies, eyeballing them, asking questions, uh, really fundamental research in terms of what they're investing people's capital in. And that's with the view of trying to create some outperformance, right? Because ultimately, an active manager will charge you more, but ultimately, they need to show their value in terms of outperformance. Otherwise, what's the point? Stick with an index rather than just ride the market. So do all active managers outperform? No, no they don't. That's broadly the two types of styles of management. And as I said, active management will have a lot more resources poured into it, again, with a view to try and outperform what the index is doing. Mm -hmm. So looking at active management, mm -hmm. I think it starts with the analyst. The analyst really just looks at two or three or four companies, goes to the roadshows, really analyzes that particular company, yeah. tries to know everything. They want to know everything about the company, top to bottom. And look, every manager is different. Sometimes it's a bottom-up research, sometimes it's top-down research. So what I mean by that is top-down is more looking at the macro situation and then filtering all the way down to the company. Which industry is doing really well. And yeah, then so how, well, how the economy is doing overall, what industries would benefit from the current economy, and then picking stocks based on that. Other managers would do a bottom-up research where they look at the company itself, irrespective of what is happening in the macro economy. So look at the fundamentals of that particular business, study that business in a lot of detail and determine whether it's it's a fit for, for their portfolio. The managed funds you tend to pick, do they usually do bottom-up or top-down? We prefer to use bottom-up, correct. And why? Why? That's a good question. Look, I think if you can pick companies that are going to perform doesn't matter what market cycle that you're in, I think that tends to be a lot more favourable. So, you know, there are certain companies that will always perform well regardless of what rest of the economy is doing. So that's why we prefer to, to use bottom-up managers because the research is there around 
the company, it's a solid company regardless of what is happening elsewhere. And that's why we prefer to provide our clients with long-term sustainable returns. And that's where bottom-up managers can really play a part in all that. So this bottom-up, it starts with the analyst who really looks at... Yes, looking at the fundamentals of that business. Yes. Right. Then you've got analysts with a top-down who look at macro and work their way down back to the company. So oh, I see. You have analysts both, both yeah, ways. Yes, so you'll, you'll you have analysts have either way. Analysts. It's just the approach that they're taking to their investment selection, whether it's bottom-up or top-down. Yes. Um, but the analysts are basically the brain of a fund manager. They are out there researching, correct. coming up with conclusions, etc. Yeah. And then they present the information to the portfolio manager and the portfolio manager then has to make the decision of what to buy and what to sell. Yeah, so they're obviously they're working together in terms of, yeah, so they're obviously they'll, they'll come up with ideas, you know, portfolio managers will look at it with the analysts and then, yeah, make decisions as to whether it's worth a, a buyer or seller or what have you. So the analyst is often the entry position into a... Look, I'm not overly sure in terms of what the hierarchy. hierarchical structure within a fund manager is. You probably also would have senior analysts who run the whole analyst desk. Yep. Yep, yep. So within, and look, each. Uh, but you would have a lot more analysts than portfolio managers. Again, it, de it depends on the fund. It really does depend on the fund. Because but isn't the portfolio I would manager argue, more the guy who makes the decision of, yes, we follow yes, this that's idea? Right, that's right. Again, I stand to be corrected on this, but I would say that a top down manager would probably have less resources than a bottom up because bottom up is a bit more labor intensive because you've got to really understand the business. Yes, and there are a lot more businesses than economic. That's right. If you've got thirty, forty, factors. if you've got thirty, forty companies in your portfolio, well, you really got to understand them intimately. And I know some fund managers, Fidelity is an example, where they actually go out on site to their businesses, you know, and sit down with management and eyeball them and, and ask the tough questions around. Mm. You know, walk walk through the floors. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, see. absolutely. And look, that's really what bottom-up research is it's really understanding the business because ultimately you're investing money into it so well they're investing money into it so they want to have an intimate understanding of the company and what it's doing is there somebody else we have the analyst we have the portfolio manager is there something like an investment manager well that would be the portfolio manager okay. yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah And then the fund manager is basically just the guy at the very top who holds it all together. It's like the CEO of the fund manager. Yeah, of the there's, there's fund. always going to be one sort of head person. Like for Magellan, as an example, there's Hamish McDougall, I think his name is. He's a pretty good operator. And I go to his, you know, his seminars because he's brilliant in terms of the way he's thinking around his investment philosophy. Yes, yeah, so every fund manager will have some sort of head person, so to speak, and that sort of filters down to all the other relevant people. Hmm. Yeah, And then you have the people who are on the client contact side. And I can imagine they need a lot less people on the ground when the money comes from a financial advisor because the financial advisor is basically the client contact. Correct, yeah. But when it's retail, when an individual person invests directly into a managed fund, then, of course, they need yeah, the I, client contact. I don't contact. know if um, managed funds really, you know, have much many resources to market to retail clients so it usually goes through a financial advisor yeah, the I financial mean, advisor is basically the client contact side of the management yeah fund. and they hold you know a series of events throughout the year just to you know provide information about their fund and updates and all that sort of stuff 
then you've also got a relationship person. If you have any questions or concerns about the fund, then you've got that person that you can contact. But the relationship person is more looking after the financial advisors and the Absolutely. financial advisors then look after, the after client. their clients. That's right. Hmm. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then asset manager is more... Asset manager would be ultimately the company who's managing that capital. So whether it's Platinum, Magellan, Vanguard, they're the asset manager. It's, it's the company themselves. And then obviously they would pick the head person who they want to run their Australian share portfolio or their international share portfolio so okay. and so on and so forth. Yeah. So we have analyst, portfolio manager, fund manager at the very top and then probably some client relationship person who looks after the financial advisors yeah. and then the financial advisors are the contact Correct. to the ultimate client. Mm -hmm. Investment selection is a complex area and ultimately people do need advice around this complicated area. Because otherwise you end up with well, otherwise, 50% well, of Well, otherwise your, you, you end up potentially picking buying investments. buying BHP and NAP. Yeah, and they may not be relevant to your own situation. And that's why we go through a thorough process to understand, one, what are the client's needs, two, what is the client's risk profile, and that is very, very important. And then three, what sort of investments are going to deliver what the client needs. Okay, so we almost reverse engineer the portfolio to deliver what the client is looking for in a way that you know ultimately is comfortable from a risk return point of view. Welcome back. Managed funds are easy to grasp, I find. A managed fund is a unit trust that invests in shares and or property or other managed funds or whatever the focus for that managed fund happens to be. And then you just acquire units in this fund and that is your investment. In the next episode, episode 193, Daniel Mikhail will talk about the downsizer contributions and some quirky details about those. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.